Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. There's a gospel reading about an unrighteous city judge who doesn't fear God and who didn't regard man and a really persistent widow. The widow had had some trouble. She had experienced an injustice and she came to the unrighteous judge to avenge her over and over and over. And he ignored her as long as he could. But one day he had had enough and he basically said, fine, here. Very often this parable is misinterpreted because Some people say that Jesus's message is that loud and persistent begging will eventually just wear down God's resistance and cause him to give in to our requests. But context is important. Jesus was talking to his disciples about his return. The chapter opens on a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about the coming of his kingdom. Jesus had been discussing the timing of his return when he launched into this story with a point. And there's something a little unusual to notice because right at the beginning, Luke, the recorder of the incident, he gives us a summary of what the story means before we even read it. We don't have to interpret it. He flat out tells us. In verse 1, we can see that the parable is told to the disciples that they ought to always pray and never lose heart. So the point of the story is that Jesus' followers ought to not give up as they await his return. Oh, guys, are you feeling it too? The waiting for his return. Because Jesus, when? Things are looking pretty bad out here. There's politics and violence and gender and denomination and war and poverty and greed and racism and sexism and Twitter. Are you about ready, Jesus? Because I'm not really sure what you could possibly be waiting for. We are so bad at this. The other day, I laid flat on my floor on my face and cried. Just that. We are so bad at this. The dogs were really concerned. We are waiting. We're waiting for that perfect balance of justice and mercy that we will never be able to manage on our own. We're waiting. And there's the large-scale waiting for his return. But then there's also the personal waiting, too. Hoping for something specific that's still out in front of us in that in-between place that's familiar to all of us. We know what it's like to be in the middle place between where we've been and where we want to go. Maybe it's a job or a relationship or a baby or a certain success you feel you deserve. Maybe it's news from the doctor for a certain healing for a loved one or for yourself. We have all been waiting on the tarmac of the in-between. It's a restless place. It can be a place of uncertainty, questions, sometimes even sorrow and fear. And so often, for many of us, waiting, it can create a downward spiral of impatience and frustration, selfishness, and anger in our hearts. Some of you may know, if you follow me on social media, that I keep rescuing dogs and becoming increasingly unpopular with my husband. The latest one that I picked up, she has the bladder the size of a mustard seed. She really, she pees every seven minutes. And so I got in this bind where I have the dog in the car with me, but I needed to go into the grocery store to get a few things for my kids' lunches because I had to get them to school before 11 because we didn't have any groceries and I couldn't pack their lunches with baker's chocolate. So I left the dog in the car. It was a nice day, but I knew that I only had a very limited amount of time before she went to the bathroom in my car and my kids have already turned that SUV into a biohazard zone. So I definitely could not have one more mammal doing as they pleased in there. I got the six things I needed. I went to the express line and I got behind a woman who was paying for her 24 items. Yes, I counted with a check in the express lane. So I arranged my body in just the right way to let everyone know passive aggressively, of course, that I was in a hurry and then no one could find a pen. And so I sighed. I quickly disguised it as a cough when it became too obvious that I was annoyed. But then you guys, I noticed that she was wearing socks with her sandals. 
And I think that any other time, this would have endeared me to her. You know? Oh. But at that moment, I was completely questioning her. I mean, obviously her fashion choices, but her goodwill, her nature, her character. And why? Because she was making me wait. Here's another one. Maybe a little more sinister. When I was in college, I was in a sorority and all of my friends were engaged. Ring by spring. And I knew I knew in my bones that that wasn't my story, but I really, really wished that it was. I wanted a love story too. But what I noticed during that time of waiting for the love story that God had for me, waiting very much by myself, what I noticed was this grim thrill at rolling my eyes at love, at looking around and seeing the many, many people so effortlessly in love. And it made me angry. It made me negative. It made me mean. And this is my point. If this is how we respond to people in a grocery line who make us wait, what is it that happens to our hearts when God makes us wait for something we really, really want and feel we deserve? Because after all, we're good people. I know that I have not always waited well. There is something about waiting that makes me question God's devotion And then I've noticed that when I question his devotion, I start bargaining. I have spent so much of my life bargaining with God. If I do this, then will you do this? If I sign up for the Bible study, will you bring me the farm boy Navy doctor from Iowa? No? What about if I signed up for prison ministry? True story. But you know what? Now that I think about it, now that I really think about it, bargaining was never about getting what I wanted out of God. Because the truth is, I was really fine without the boyfriend, or whatever it was in that particular moment. The repaired relationship, the baby when I demanded, the immediate healing, the success I felt I deserved. The bargaining wasn't about my desires. Not really. The bargaining was about my desire to know that he cared. What I wanted was proof that he would show up if I asked him to, because that would mean he was willing to involve himself in my daily life in ways that mattered to me. Bargaining was an attempt to know that he really loved me, and answering my demands would prove that he loved me in a way that I understood his love. And so I had a realization that bargaining was really just my attempt to find out who I was dealing with. The question was, really, how much do you love me? Do you love me enough to care about my life? Do you love me enough to worry about my worries, enough to give me the desires of my heart? Do you care about my heart? bargaining is how I thought I would finally be able to see and touch his devotion because I thought that answered prayers and blessings were the best way to see his devotion. But there is a better way. God isn't preoccupied with our comfort, even if we are. If comfort is our love language, his love language is a little more intense. He's not sending us effortless relationships, instant remedies, or magic wands. He sent us himself. And our pain-free living with all of our desires neatly around us and in place, it's not proof of his love for us. Jesus is. Sometimes God delays his blessings to examine what's in our hearts. He waits. On purpose. And it's not that he doesn't want to bless us. But he's after a purpose that's greater than our immediate blessings. God doesn't want to just fix our problems. He wants to transform us in the process. And he wants us to resemble his son. That's likely to take some time. In this parable from Jesus about the unrighteous city judge and the persistent widow, we are being asked to wait well, to trust that he's coming, and to understand that if God isn't rushing to heal, then there must be something to gain from the hurt. I watched this documentary about penguins a few years back. I remember specifically seeing it because I was pregnant and I bawled throughout the whole thing at what miserable, trying lives penguins have. Here's how it went. Penguins, they travel in these enormous groups. There's like 500 of them. And they swim north in a really cold weather. And all 500 of them, they swim until eventually they hit ice and they jump out of the water one by one onto the ice. And then they slide on their bellies for days. And I don't mean to make this sound like a swift process because they don't really have legs or feet and they just have these tiny little wings. It's terrible. And after a while, they eventually stop sliding and they get around in this big circle and they start throwing their heads back and making noise to look for a mate. It's crazy. And then 
after they do that, the female lays an egg. And she does this standing up so that the egg rests on her feet. And then she very, very carefully transfers the egg onto the male's feet. And then the females leave. They go back to the ocean to go fishing. While the men sit on the egg and keep it warm, they just sit there and wait. And they gather around in this ginormous circle to keep each other warm, to keep their egg warm. And they wait. And they don't know how long they're going to be waiting. I do because I watched the documentary. Y'all, they do this for one whole month. They just sit on that egg. And they do what they're supposed to do, which is don't drop the egg. And you know what else they do? They take care of each other, bringing each other into the middle when it gets too cold. And then the females come back, and right when they do, almost to the day, the egg hatches. And you might be wondering what in Moses' name this has to do with anything. And now that I'm recording it, I kind of am too. But listen, I just feel like I'm one of those penguins, one of the boy ones. They just had this gut instinct that everything was going to be okay. They hung in there. I don't know if they prayed, but they didn't lose heart. And I know that while waiting, I'm supposed to just stay put and not lose heart and keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is looking for people colder than me and admitting when it's my turn to be in the center. And we could sit around and guess about why God makes us wait. We could do that. We could speculate. But I think it would make us crazy. It's just a beautiful mystery. We certainly don't start out willing to wait. Our natural response, of course, to waiting, it's anger or doubt. But God is gracious, and he's merciful, and he understands our tendencies. Simply feeling deep, complex emotions and waiting, especially for significant things, it's not sinful in itself. But we can decide where those emotions take us. We get to decide which feelings to exalt. We get to decide when things are confusing to lean into the parts of God's character that we know for certain, which is that he is good and that he loves us. We can decide not to make an idol out of whatever it is that we're waiting for. We can, by God's grace, choose to wait as he intends, praying and never giving up. We can decide to let God be God, and we are invited to continue hoping in his greatness. From the book of Isaiah, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is my friend, Lara. There's something really special about the people you reach out to for correction. I reach out to Lara for a lot of things, but her gift of discernment coupled with her intense love of people has turned her into one of my greatest sharpeners. One of my favorite places to go after I've heard, this is the way, walk in it. Laura Roland, yes, you are here. Hi, Allison. In my house, I am. I'm staring at your pretty face. (laughs) Can you believe it? No, no. I'm I'm still like not sure. I know. Like I'm afraid I'm gonna wake up and it's all gonna be like. (laughs) Did I dream that I went to Allison's house? And I am so (sighs) grateful. So you flew in here from Maryland. I did. And you whisked in and just spread joy all over my house all day today. And we've just had the best day. It's been awesome. I got to I got to meet the Sullivan kids <laughs> and I got to I got to see rollerblading happen in real time. Yeah. All through the kitchen. All through the kitchen. It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I got to see all sorts of gymnastic moves. <laughs> um, the dogs licked me yeah. to death. They're and fans. I loved every second. They're fans. I'm a fan. It, it was so We're good. all fans. <laughs> it was so good. It's a joyful, joyful place. Thank you it so really much is. for being here. So we know each other because of the Genius Conference. Yes. We met the first genius and I I even, so I was speaking and you were an attendant at that retreat and there was something magnetic about you, your person, your face, your spirit. There was just something really magnetic about you. And as I was speaking, I am not, I will speak if someone asks me to, but I do not think that it is my primary gifting. Um, And so I am nervous when I do it and I will um, normally find a face that is comfortable for me um to rest on because they're giving something off that is good and um and that was you for me 
in the very first genius, you were just this very comforting presence in the audience. So, and then you came up to me, it was one of those, and then you came up to me at that conference and had beautiful things to say. You were so warm and lovely and we hugged and it was like a real hug. And you were like, and you hug like that? Like you were like, (laughs) and so anyways, it was just great that the person that I had chosen to rest on for comfort came up and like said something and gave this motherly, just sisterly, familial hug. And so you are really special to me and I love you. Oh my gosh, I love you too. And I (laughs) I didn't know that about the whole speaking thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. So my, uh, my sitting in the audience was, I was in awe of, of, of what was transpiring on that stage in general, but then when you came on, and I remember this, I had never seen a woman preach it like you do. <laughs> Thank and you. so for me, that was very different. That was a very different style. And I just remember being electrified by that, mm. like just your whole presence on the stage and your and what you were talking about and how you were relating to the audience. And I just remember thinking, I'm supposed to know her. And, <laughs> you know, that could have been just in my own mind. I heard that. I don't know. But, but I felt this like really that we were supposed to be connected. And so, you know, I, I'm not shy about things like that. Mm-hmm, and, um, mm-hmm. and then that was it. We didn't really, that was, I didn't really see you the yeah. rest of the conference, yeah. but it was a connection that we had. And then we've sort of been cheerleaders behind this, behind Thank the screen. Thank you, God. Thank you. He's so good that way, isn't he? Like, I love when he just moves the pieces and I think he's very pleased. Yeah. I think he's very pleased I love that. that this is happening today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a warmth about you and, and here's what I love that it's coupled with. So there's a warmth about you that feels very loving and nurturing. I don't mean a butt. I, I would like another connector <laughs> besides butt because it's not a butt. But you are a powerful truth teller. And I think that a lot of times in our society or our culture, we... Um, wrongly equate what's loving with like niceness. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you're not nice. Um, but I think that Jesus did not do that. Jesus did not confuse love and niceness. That's something that we do. And the truth, I mean, it's easy to do because it works, right? I mean, being nice gains us a lot of attention or praise or just people pleased around us. Um, but you will look into the heart of a matter and you will tell the truth about it but coupled with something that is very natural to you, your warmth, it is so loving. So you take this really special gift of calling them like you see them and your discernment is just so sharp with this warm blanket of, of love. And it is, it is really something to marvel at. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I really appreciate that of your friend in your friendship. I feel like, um, that people are so precious and that especially the people that, that God has seen fit to, to put in my life um, where he's picked me up and inserted in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I, and I always just try to be mindful of like, God, what is it that you want them to know? What is it that <laughs> I am supposed to tell them? Yeah. But I feel like if we can come at things from a place of deep abiding love, mm-hmm. that's our great connector. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, I always want to leave someone's heart in better condition than I found it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's pouring into them in a way that they haven't been poured into in a while, Mm -hmm. or whether it's unmasking something that Mm -hmm. needs to be, Mm -hmm. you know, a truth that needs to be told. Mm -hmm. And then how can we move you forward from that? You know? Um, And I think that that part of that just comes with a little bit of life. Sure, me. some maturity, yeah, some, some spiritual maturity for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, I we were joking earlier about me and having like an algorithm for how to please the most amount of people in the most efficient amount of time. <laughs> it was delightful. But that <laughs> leads to pandering, right? I mean, it that can. leads to, sure. so, yeah. um, so I really admire that. You know, I'm always, I feel like my talent is surrounding myself with people <laughs> who have things I don't have, like who are just better than me. <laughs> I, but I think that that's part of it too, right? Like we collect people and and maybe God puts them in our path at just the right time and we never know like why are we together like yeah. why yeah. did what's we meet about? that time like and and you have to be open to what's going to be the fruit of this yeah. and maybe we're never going to know the yeah. fruit yeah or maybe we see it immediately and I love how God just surprises us yeah. like that so speaking of yeah you 
It is a, a bit random that you're here, right? It's totally A little random. bit? I it's mean, totally <laughs> random. It's, it's How totally How many random. conversations have we had, really? Like uh, Maybe five. Five? I was going to yeah. say five. Literally. No, they've been important. They've mattered. Right. But, like, this is our sixth. <laughs> well, if you count all day today. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> that might be 1,800, but that's okay. Like, we're good. But you're yeah. talking about you felt a nudge from uh, God that's yeah. like, you need to go to Texas. Yeah. And you need to see these people. And here we are. Like, just that's a strict obedience on your part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it goes back to what you're saying of sometimes God puts people in our lives and we don't know why. We don't know. And so... I just love your level of, okay, God, here I go. <laughs> I'm going to go stay in a garage apartment with three rowdy dogs. Which can I just say? And a bunch of rollerblading kids. I'm looking at like this beautiful space that, that you've created, <laughs> not just for me, but for other people. And there's just the cutest little sign that says, welcome, Laura. And I, <laughs> I had a little come apart about that today. Aww. Like just that little generosity and that little hospitality went a long way to soothe a weary traveler because I've been sure, traveling for, yeah. for a couple of Aww, days and, yeah. and crazy stuff. Um, God, God put this on my heart about five months ago and it's to tell people God's made it abundantly clear. I am supposed to go be intentional and have intentional one-on-one time with this person and this person and this person sounds absolutely bonkers yeah. unless that's how you live your life. Yeah. And then it's not so crazy. Yeah. Right, right. And what I have found... If, I'm sorry. I don't yeah, want to interrupt. No. Hang on to that, please. But if the Holy Spirit's alive and well inside of us, shouldn't it look different? Absolutely. Like, this looks different, This right? is completely <laughs> different. We were at, you know, talking at dinner. And, and I was thinking at one point, if anybody around us was listening to our conversation, they would have been like... What are they talking about up there? Because we were talking about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, uh-huh. you know, living our life this way. And, you know, it either, you know, just all the things. And for us, it's a perfectly normal conversation to right. have, right? But right. we are living a spirit-led life or that's what we're striving to do. Yeah. And so when you're when you're obedient to God, um, your life does look different yeah. and your responses are different. Yeah. Um, we may not always respond immediately, um, we may hesitate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to say that the yes was as quick as it should have been. <laughs> right. um, there were some hurdles I had to overcome for that, sure. but yeah. he cleared the path and it made it abundantly yeah. clear. And that intentionality has been really beautiful. Um, and I'll unpack that for, for months to come, yeah. the, the, the yeah. things that have happened so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the beautiful, true like things and, mm-hmm. and insights and fruit that this is going to Of bear. offering a yes. Of offering a yes. So one of my favorite friends, she will recognize herself when she hears this, showed up at my door one day. I opened my door. There's my precious friend. And she says, Holy Spirit told me to come here. You know why? And I'm like, no, but come <laughs> in. <laughs> Let's unpack that, shall we? <laughs> That's a good friend. But is this similar? I it's mean, a little similar. bit. That's a little bit. It is a little bit. It you just really... came from Maryland, not from I did. I South did. College Station. Right. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit of a longer journey to get here. But um, but I find that I, I cannot outrun God. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if you have that experience, but when he puts something on my heart, and if I'm not quick enough to you know, to give my immediate yes. And of course that takes some unpacking. Why am I, why am I being stubborn or why am I not listening? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? of, Right. Um, but, but I've learned I can't, I can't outrun him. It, that does, if that's a true desire from him, that desire only grows and, and intensifies in a beautiful way. Yeah. And then he clears the path. Yeah. He, he cleared this path in ways. Yeah. Right. I just, it still blows my mind. We, um, okay. Well, so as we have thought and prayed about this discussion, there were so many things that were coming up that felt timely and important right now. But one of the things that kept coming up was this idea of waiting. And nobody starts out willing to wait. You know, I mean, so many times it, this place of waiting is a restless place. Mm-hmm. And the heart's cry is, how long? Like, what do you have... What do you have for me and how long am I going to have to wait for whatever it is? So not only is there an unknown at the end of the question, but it's a, how long am I going to be here? And so then it's like, what happens in that place Correct. of waiting? Like what happens to our heart right. in that space? So I know that you have so much wisdom on this. What are some of your just initial thoughts around the topic? Because 
in a way, don't you think we're all kind of waiting right now? Right. Everyone's oh, waiting for something. Everybody's waiting for something. And and there's two there's two things to think about in the wait. Um, and you know when when I so this is something I've written on, and it's something that I that I do talk about. Um, we can kind of look at it from two perspectives. So the first one that I think about is that we go to God with our with our list of demands. And let's face it, for most of us, and I, I put myself at the top of that list, a lot of times it's a laundry list of, well, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I asked you for this stuff last time I prayed, and um, it <laughs> yeah. tick-tock here. Uh-huh. I, I've got things to do. Mm-hmm. Could, you, could you make that happen for me very quickly? That's typically how... I go to God when I'm really stressed and I'm frustrated. and Because number one, I'm a good person. And number two, the things that I want are not, are probably good things. Exactly. It's right. not outrageous. Right. It's not outrageous. Yeah. But what I forget is that he's God and I'm not. Mm-hmm. He's got the plan. I don't. Mm-hmm. He's not giving me the blueprint. And so in that, in that waiting time, there's two answers that we get. Number one is that he says, yes, but not yet. Mm-hmm. And that's an answer that frustrates us because we're in immediate need. Yeah. Like, especially, can I have it now? Yeah. Like, wait, wait, how, how about now? How about now? Like, I need it now, right? Mm-hmm. In our time. And then there's also the answer that he gives us is no, but I have something else. Mm-hmm. And each of those answers that he gives us forces us to wait. And he does something really beautiful in that wait. So in the first instance, when he says, um, yes, but not yet, that's because there's something in us that's not ready to receive that gift that he's going to give us that Mm -hmm. we've asked for. Mm -hmm. So maybe we've asked for, in my case, I asked for um, that I wanted to be able to speak. I wanted to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And God's answer was yes, but not yet. And the reason was, is that I had to grow in my comfort level, I had to I had to bind up some some really deep seated pride issues. I had to really look at what humility is and what humility isn't. So I had a lot of woundedness, yeah. and I had a lot of things that I really had to to bind up so that Satan didn't get to those. Because at the and end so in of the that day, way, that answer is always a mercy. Exactly, yeah. and in that weight. It is, you learn what cross it is that you are, that you are being asked to carry Mm -hmm. in that time. Mm -hmm. And in that cross, that's where the glory leads to ultimately, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get your yes, but you've got some growing to do. And the ultimate reason is, is that God doesn't want us to fail, but he knows our hearts. He knows our weaknesses. He already knows what we're going to do with that, with it. And so he gives us that time in that waiting period to really understand where we need to work, yeah. right? Um, and I love that. It's that loving father that says, you're just not quite ready to drive that car, baby girl. <laughs> like, you need, you need to learn to stick shift a little bit better. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I don't want you to get hurt. I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing it you a favor. It doesn't feel like it. And it doesn't. It's like I get so mad sometimes yeah. because I wanted it immediately. Yeah. But in his infinite wisdom, right, he knows my heart better than I do. I think there's an aspect also of comfort being our love language. Mm. So, and I... God's love language is a lot grittier. I don't, he's not sending us valuable trinkets. He's not, mm. you know, letting us surround ourselves with the things that will bring us the most amount of pleasure. Right. Um, so his love language, so we can like look around at these gaps in our lives or the things that we think that we should be surrounded by. And I don't know about you, but I, if, if there's something significant lacking and I'm having to wait for something that seems, you know, reasonable or, or even or even noble or good or holy, then in a place of stagnation, I will often start to question his devotion to me. Mm. And so then it's like, well, then, so then you must not, so then I'm out of favor or, and that's such a lie. Right. That's such a lie right. because the truth is. This isn't about, you know, a valuable trinket. This isn't about something that you perceive as necessary or good. I've already done all the things. Right. And my heart is unchanging. I already sent Jesus, you know. Like. We forget that sometimes, I think. We do. We do. Like that whole that whole on the cross thing, yes. you know, that was for us. The whole like my grace is sufficient for yeah, you thing. Right, right, right. Like that, that was for us. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it was for you and it was for me. 
you know, so not even, let's just take the word us out of it. Like it was for Allison Mm -hmm. and it was for Laura and it was for, you know, our children. And it was, you know, and when you put a name to it, Mm -hmm. it sort of like makes it a little bit more real with that. Um, you know, in, in just thinking about that idea of waiting and in thinking about our, our impatience with that, right. It is, um, I still think of him sort of just like smiling, like making like this little, like, yeah, I know it's hard to wait, but just it's coming, girl. It's mm-hmm. coming, mm-hmm. you know, and I can see it coming on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And I hear him say, you are my beloved. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I want to give up and when I'm, when I'm pestering him and I'm just, and I do, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the human condition. I just hear it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Yeah. Yes, but not yet. So it's not a no, but then sometimes he does say no. Yeah. And I think for some people, that's an even harder answer. Um, but what he, but what they're not listening to is the part that comes after that. So he says no to your ask, but it's because I have something else that's better. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, I know better. Uh, yes. I know what I know. Want. I, yeah. I've you know. mapped this out. Yes. It's, this is me, Lord. And he says, no, 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 no. I have something better for you. Mm-hmm. And it's in, in, in that part. So if the yes, but not yet is we have to carry our cross mm-hmm. and we have to bind things and we have to heal those wounds. So Satan doesn't get to it. When we talk about, do uh, he has something else for us? That's where our trust in the Lord, that's what he's really asking us for. Yeah. And it's surrendering your surrender. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a hard, hard wait. Mm-hmm. Because that's something where you think, I've surrendered it. I've given it up, Lord. You know, the hands raised and I throw my hands up in the air. And this is, it's all on you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm giving it all to you, Lord. And then we turn back around and we just pick up that bag of rocks that we've been dragging around, all of our stuff that we carry, yeah. right? And so when he says, no, but I have something else. I have something better for you. It's that's, that's where we have to have faith yeah. and we have to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to let this be you. I feel like, you know how we were talking earlier today about this came up twice actually, where it was like, do you believe who I say I am is true or not? Do you believe that God is real or not? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross or not? We were coming back to these just fundamentals of yes or no. Do you believe that God is good or not? Because if he's good, then he's for you. Do we believe that his plans are to prosper us or not? So all of these things, I feel like the prayer in this waiting place so that our hearts aren't grumpy or that we're not like secretly angry all the time. Oh, I like that. You know, that our hearts are tender is reminding ourselves that he is good and he is for me. And because the truth is, he's not explaining himself gently over lunch. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes it is a little quiet. <laughs> sometimes I wish he would. That would be, that would be a great conversation. But I know that he's for me. And Absolutely. so if I can just rest on that, that he's right. good. Do right. you believe that I'm good? Right. And you know what all this comes back to? It comes back to the sin of pride. Mm. Everything comes back to mm. that sin of stupid pride Mm -hmm. and it gets in our way because we think we know better but our God is so big and he's a God that loves us Mm -hmm. so well and he just knows he knows what we need and and that's where that surrender has to come in and sometimes that surrender is hours on your knees Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the number of times I've woken up in the middle of the night and I'm fretting about why hasn't something happened or you know Lord I'm waiting for this next big thing like I you you told me no and I'm good with that. I, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to wait this one out, but you know, you're going to, I'm going to trust you that there's something better coming. Yeah. And I can't, the, the number of times I've woken up in the middle of the night and I grab my rosary, hmm. you know, because I have to surrender that pride. Yeah. I have to have that faith yeah. and I have to go back to that prayerful stance of mm-hmm. our father. I love the idea of again and again and again, it, mm-hmm. this, this comes up a lot with me and with forgiveness. It's like, we would like to think that something is once and for all, you know, you can do that and then we can kind of dust our hands off. And we're done with that. When really there is a continual taking someone off of a hook, taking someone off of a hook. But I like 
because it would be really tidy. It would be really nice and neat if we could just learn a lesson and then be done with it. But what I have found is that there will be a certain circumstance that takes me back to this lesson that I need to learn again in a deeper way. And it is often waiting that takes me back to those lessons of, do I believe that he is good? Do I believe that he is powerful? Do I believe that I am a part of his story and not he is a part of my story. Like, who's the main character here? And, you know, just a reorder, a constant reordering of things. And, and, by the way, a constant returning to the cross again and again and again to realize that I really do have everything I need. Mm. What are you currently waiting for? I am waiting for clarity around what it is that God wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And and that's always my question. So I'll take that back. When about... Five or six years ago, my prayer was, Lord, use me however. And that felt so good to say that, Mm -hmm. you know. But it was always with this little bit of pridefulness to it. Oh, I feel so good. I like surrendered myself to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I got myself into a little bit of trouble with that. It was, you know, some pride issues came up. The um, comparison hits me like out of the blue it will come mm-hmm. and it just and it sideswipes me mm-hmm. and it and it just it just buckles me and I lose all my courage and mm-hmm. I lose all of my sense of of self-worth mm-hmm. and the self-doubt sets in mm-hmm. um and so a couple of years ago I was at a conference and um a newly ordained priest was gosh and I wish I could remember his name but um he gave me some language that I now use. And it was, Lord, how will you surprise me? Hmm. And again, you better be careful what you wish for with that. <laughs> but, the, but the surprises have been delightful. Mm-hmm. And the surprises have been, um, they've been very soft. Mm. It hasn't been a big bang kind of a thing like, yeah poof, like here's everything you've ever dreamed of. It's been little things here and there. It's been people that he's placed in my life. It's been, um, it's been a stumbling block that suddenly has, has become uncon, you know, has Mm. become not congested anymore. Do you know what I mean? And so I look, I try to find those little, those little pieces in there. And then the other part that I also am asking is I'm asking for the discernment Lord, like that, that's a, it's not so much like, what are you, what are you going to do with me as much as it is a discernment process is really more of a heart to heart with God. Like, how are, how am I, how am I using what you've given me? What, what else have, are, are you gifting me with that I, that I don't see that I should be using? Yeah. And that's a hard prayer yeah. because we have to get really still right. about that. Right. We have to get really still. And I'm, and I am restless by nature. Mm. And so for me to be, uh, to not be so restless um, has also taken a lot of time on my knees, my rosary beads, mm-hmm. really good friends who have poured into me. Mm-hmm. Um, I co-wrote a journal. Um, it's called um, Tuesday's Journal, and it's uh, through a, a ministry organization that I run. And the idea behind it was um, not just a word for the year, but a word for the week. And so some people randomly choose the word out of the book. Some people do them in order. I tend to invoke Holy Spirit and say, what, what do I need to work on? And the idea is that every week you have something to reflect on and, and use and whatnot. I kid you not, from March until August, every time I prayed about it, the word was remain. Remain. Wow. So he took this restless heart. Wow. This totally restless spirit of mine and said, remain. And it was just his, his whole ask of me, his whole, and I'm expecting, you know, go set the world on fire. You know, I'm going to be the the new, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to be the new Catherine of Siena, you know, you know, Uh of this, of this century. And I'm going to, you know, Joan of Arc it like over here. And then Teresa of Avila is going to come out of me somewhere. You know, like I'm thinking big, but his only ask was that I just, remain because he knew my heart was so restless and and that's a big ask but it's a very little ask too to just be like so simple and in that time he revealed so much to me I just was still I was really still so what do you think we've talked about this too and I think this is a great segue but what do you think gets in the way of Mm -hmm. our wildest dreams Oh gosh, I I think it's the idea that that we're not significant enough, mm-hmm. we're we're not special enough. Maybe we're ordinary. 
And we equate ordinariness with God not having a plan for us. And there's no purpose to us at all. Mm -hmm. And so if there's no purpose, you know, God, if, if I'm so ordinary, I'm so normal, you know, God must not have a special plan for yeah. me. So I'm not one of those people yeah. <laughs> that I, you know, those people that you can that so I've easily seen. dismiss. Right, because right. There you are being great. You were born great. You're right. going to die great. You're great. Right, right. And so, and I'm just normal. I'm just normal <laughs> over here. Yeah. Right. And so, in the in the idea of ordinariness, what we what we find is that God, we we don't hear God say, "Go do this." I'm give I'm gifting you this because we're like, I'm just too ordinary for God to really be use, wanting to use me for mm -hmm. anything, mm -hmm. or we're afraid. But most of the time, it comes from that place of like. I'm pretty ordinary, right? Yeah. So what do, what do we see in the world today? We see stories of like these broken people, people whose stories are, are heart-wrenching. They're gut-wrenching. Mm -hmm. Stories of people's lives just upside down. Dramatic brokenness. Dramatic and, brokenness, mm -hmm. exactly. And it's that, you know, and, but that's what gets the attention on, on the social media, love it or hate it, we're in that world, on yeah. the news, um, it's what we talk about. It's it's all that gets focused on, right? Yeah. Stepping back a peg, that's kind of what we see, right? Mm -hmm. Or, and especially when we're dealing with faith issues, right? Mm -hmm. Or we're dealing with our faith. And I'm Catholic, so I'll come at it from that perspective. And, and the idea of, you know, well, God doesn't really want to use me. I'm just an ordinary, not well catechized mm -hmm. gal over mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I don't really know a lot about the faith in terms of, of coming at it intellectually. Right. Um, and so sometimes when God wants to put us in the public specter, right, in the, in the, in the, you know, the town square, so to speak, um, we might say no, because I'm, I don't know enough and I'm just an ordinary gal that, you know, loves Jesus, but I couldn't tell you like anything about the catechism. Right. And so what we tend to think then is that, that God only uses people with like this perfect intellect to reason their way through to, to show the tenets of the faith and the trueness of the faith and all that kind of stuff. So we don't share our faith stories because it's like, no, 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 no. Like I can't yeah. possibly, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm too ordinary. Yeah. And what's the word I keep using in there? What's the word that we keep hearing? I'm just a. Just. I'm just, just. I'm justice. So the word just, and that's what we do to ourselves. We use that limit setting word. So the, so we say, I am. I love the limit setting. It's, it's such a limit setting word. Yeah. So we say, I am, which is so affirming. I am. And then we go, justa. Mm. And so we negate <laughs> everything that comes before that. Oh, we we even so negate good. we negate our own being, our own positive being with that limit setting phrase justa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's let's parse that out. I often ask the women in my in the um the workshops that I run, I'll say, Okay, so you say, I well, I can't possibly go back to school. I'm I'm just a mom. I just had you know, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm a homeschooling mom. Or I can't possibly run for the school board. You know, I'm I'm just a I'm just a clerk at the at the local library, and you know that's just my thing. And you know, I yeah. can't possibly do all the. I can't coach my daughter's gymnastics team. I'm just a, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just an ordinary gal that mm -hmm. didn't go very far in gymnastics, but I like it. Mm -hmm. You know. So now, what if we said that about our daughters? Hmm. Well, wow. Claire can't. She's she's just a. Mm. Or what if we said that about our mothers? Mm -hmm. Well, my mom can't. She's just a. Mm -hmm. Right? What if, what if we said that about our neighbor? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you as sure as I'm sitting here, Allison, I would never use the phrase just a about you. Mm -hmm. Allison is. I was is. just thinking that about you. Yeah. Allison is. Mm -hmm. So when we use that limit setting phrase... It, it really starts that loop playing in our head, right? And for me, that loop started really early. Um, I can remember the first time I, I thought differently about myself. I was 10, and I had um, a, a family member who, and I think she meant well, but she was being kind of flippant, and she was really making a joke about herself, but it was at my expense. At your expense. And so she looked at me and we were in the kitchen and I'll never forget this. We were standing there. It was my mom and me and my aunt and her daughter. So my cousin. And she looked at me and she goes, you know, you really should be my daughter. And I was like, 
uh, okay. And she goes, you know, cause you're plump and you know, you got that, that mousy brown hair, just like I do, you know, you're not like thin and blonde and beautiful. Like, like my daughter is like, mm-hmm. like your mom is. Mm, wow. And in that moment, Allison, I went from, from being the most confident 10 yeah. year old little girl mm-hmm. to I'm just yeah. a, and then I started ticking off all the things. Right. And before that, I used to love to dance. I was like, you know, I did all the tap and the ballet and I wore the tutus and the crowns and the whole thing. I never danced again. Wow. So in my mind, I'm just a, started very young. And because dancers aren't the things that she just described to me. Yes. And so, yeah. 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 Letting someone tell you who you are besides, besides beloved. Right. Besides beloved. And so, and so the world would have me believe one thing and that crowds out what God tries to tell us every day. Yeah. And so for me, the idea of I'm just a became a loop that played in my head. So if I've got this loop playing in my head, well, I can't, you know, I'm just a, God doesn't really have a plan for me. I don't give a yes. Mm -hmm. I don't give a yes. And so I'm afraid to give a yes. I'm afraid to, um, out of fear, uh, fears that fears a big part of, of mm-hmm. why we don't answer. You know, we talk about us waiting. How patient is our God? Oh, for the love. <laughs> how, I mean, how patient is this man yeah. as he says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come at her from another angle. <laughs> I'm going to try, let's try Allison sitting in on yeah. with her, you know, and to yeah. talk to her and maybe that'll get her to move in, in some way. But do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. he's so patient. That's how yeah. much he loves us Mm -hmm. and if we could just remember that oh my gosh we would we would give our yes so quickly so this idea of ordinary then right um we have to flip it and we have to so for every lie that we're told we have to have a truth that's what the cross brings us replace it the cross is our truth and so when we look at that cross we have to say okay if the lie tells us that god only uses the broken to tell stories to change people's lives Mm -hmm. We all have a story. Mm-hmm. They may not be, you know, all, all these tragedies that happened, mm-hmm. but we have stories sure. of, of life and love and how joy. How you have lived life deeply matters. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and who we do life with and how that's changed us. Mm-hmm. And even, even just little encounters that we have throughout the day mm-hmm. that, that when we reflect on them, we can share those with people and say, you know, I never thought about it that way, but here's what happened. And it was a moment of joy or it was a moment of witness or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so God doesn't just use the broken. He really does use the everyday ordinary among us to tell stories. Yeah. And as you're talking, there's two things that I'm, is this a good time to interject? Did you? Yeah, absolutely. No, go ahead. Um, As you're talking, there's two things that I was struck by. Um, Number one is that God very much chose ordinary people to surround himself with as he divided a calendar and saved some souls and, you know, came to change the world. You know, he he did not go around choosing religious scholars. He went around and collected a complete and total motley crew. I mean, these guys had dirt under their fingernails and were more likely to you know, break into an arm wrestling match than a scholarly argument, right? I mean, absolutely. they had been completely sent home from religious school. Everybody was, I had learned this for a talk once, but everyone um, was in religious school. If you were a boy, you were in religious school. Mm -hmm. Well, if you weren't making the cut, if you weren't memorizing the scriptures the way that you were supposed to, if you weren't asking the right questions, if you didn't really have a knack for understanding and interpreting scripture, you got sent home to go learn the family business. Well, so here are these guys that have essentially been given up on by the the religious communities. So Mm -hmm. then this rabbi comes up to them and says, Hey, follow me. And of course they drop their nets. They had been given up on by everyone else. That's so powerful. Isn't that great? That is so, if that doesn't give us hope, (laughs) right? If that doesn't give us hope, I don't know what does. And so that is who God chose to do these things with him. God does not want to change the world without us. Oh, amen. And so I love, I feel like that is just such an example. So, hey, Peter was just a fisherman, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Not Um, anymore, but yes, he was. Yeah. I think the other, yeah, not anymore. Um, (laughs) I think the other thing 
that I feel in my own spirit deeply is that I can become the analysis that in waiting mm-hmm. to kind of take it back, but the analysis can lead to paralysis where it's like, well, if I don't make the right choice, God won't be there. God mm-hmm. won't follow me through this door or God won't follow me down this path. So I have to do the right thing. Right. What's the right thing? I don't know, you know, and so, and that's such a lie to think, to think that God is only behind some doors or will only travel with us down. That is, that is an an idea of God that is not demonstrated through when Jesus came to the world, we have to reorder and redefine who God is based on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is not what Jesus did. That is not who he was. When he came to earth, he seemed to be laying himself out on this dissection table saying, look at me, examine me, what do you see? And it was never this punishing, harsh God who had an occasional moment of mercy. That's not who he was. So there are some doors where he graces us and some paths where, and then it's those only. Right. It's just a toxic way to think. Right. And and here's the thing is that I loved, I, I loved what you just said about you know, that we, we tend to think of it being all or nothing and, and I have yeah, to get it right. Yeah. But when God asks us to do and we hesitate, what I have learned is, I've learned two things. Number one is that it's typically because uh, it, it's coming from that deep seated place of fear and I'm not going to be good enough mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have the right words and I'm not going to know the right answer. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to mess this up for you. Yeah. But here's the thing. He gives us exactly what we need. Yeah. He doesn't waste a thing. He doesn't mm-hmm. give us any more than we need. Yeah. So it's, it's either the right words at the right time. Not perfect. Yeah. I didn't say perfect. I said mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, the, that's a great distinction. The right words for that time. Or he gives us the right people. Sometimes it's both. Mm-hmm. He gives us exactly what we need in that moment. Yeah. And in that moment, that that's his way of saying, I'm always with you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to doubt that. If he's asked me to do it, he's going to provide for me. Yeah. Because it's of him and it's yeah. for his glory. Yeah. It's not for my glory. There has to be a reordering, though, when you were I love talking that word. about love that word. Yes. the self. Yes. You know, I feel like a lot of my paralysis of what am I supposed to do? I don't know. What's this plan for my life? Is God going to bless it? I don't know. There's an obsession of self behind that. There's mm-hmm. an obsession of self underneath that. And so putting, recentering God, constantly recentering God. Right. And that's, that's daily. That's yeah. not, that's not the wipe your hands kind of thing. Like, right. Right. There's constant prayer. There's constant adoration. There's constant yeah. worship. Right. That is designed to help you understand who you are right. and understand who he is and the distance in between. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But here's, here's the beauty of it is, and I'm a firm believer in this is that I think like on any given day, right? Like, let's just say, and I'm no math major, but let's just say like 20% on any given day, we know there are people who are really broken and tell their story and people come to Jesus as a, as a result of that. They come to see the miracles that happen and, and, and lives change. And then there are people who are intellectually gifted that can explain the faith in ways that we can't. And, and then there are people who are really confident in their giftedness that, that God has, has bestowed upon them and they use it beautifully. Mm-hmm. That's about 20% of the population. Hmm. That leaves 80% of us. And I firmly believe, and it's been my experience, that that 80% of us who are ordinary, mm-hmm. we're his hands mm-hmm. and his feet. What mm-hmm. has he left us to do, Allison? Mm-hmm. He's left us to rock those babies. Mm-hmm. He has left us to drive carpools. Mm-hmm. He has left us to take care of elderly parents who are dying. Mm-hmm. He has left us to take neighbors' food. He has left us to have deep abiding friendships mm-hmm. and, to, and, to, and to walk with people mm-hmm. in their darkest times. Mm-hmm. That's the power of ordinary. Mm-hmm. Eight, you know, we are his hands and feet. And mm-hmm. he has left that heavy lifting to us. Yeah. And he wants us to embrace that. He wants us to understand that ordinary is extraordinary. <laughs> and not that, I don't, I don't know that I love the word extraordinary because people, sometimes when I, when I do, when I give this talk, I'll, I'll have people 
turn to one another and say, you're ordinary. And that feels really (laughs) uncomfortable. But then we end the talk with, now turn to your lovely neighbor and tell her she's ordinary. And they look at it a completely yeah, different yeah, way. The yeah. And then there's a couple of people that say, yeah, no, but you're extraordinary. And I get where they're going with that. Mm-hmm. But that power of ordinary mm-hmm. is that God sees us. We are known, seen, and loved. He has left the most beautiful parts of humanity for us to help take mm-hmm. care of and lift. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to, you know, to tell all of the stories about the big broken people and the, you know, to spout the the catechism. What we know that hadn't been developed yet, but you get my point. He came to heal the hemorrhaging woman who touched his robe. You know, he came to notice and see and understand the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just what if we could sit back and see that Mm -hmm. from from our own perspective Mm -hmm. And really embrace that. I think our yes would be much more, much more yeah, uh, quick. It would be much more honest. Yeah. And it would be, we were, we're running to him with our arms wide open. Yeah, that's right. You know, we always have the image of, of us running to him with his arms open. But what if we ran to him with ours open? Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. I can't wait to see how you're going to use me. Mm-hmm. How are you going to surprise me? Thank you so much. This is a really great conversation. I feel like you're... Um, embracing of your own story. Like not only are you a truth teller into other people's lives, but you're a truth teller with your own experience that coupled with um, the friend that you see in God is just a really powerful witness. Um, Tell people where to find you. Sure. So um, I'm on uh, social media at Laura K Roland and that's R O L A N D and then the women's ministry that I co-founded with my dear friend Penny Bailey is Encounter Grace. And you can find us at Encounter Grace One on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I think you can find me probably, hopefully, back here in Allison's <laughs> beautiful place. Um, Please. To come and sit and sit at your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been so generous with, with your praise for me, but I think... If we're, if we're pouring into one another, and I really hope that this does not get edited out. <laughs> you is, know me well. <laughs> I know you well, but I'm, I'm going to ask that favor is to allow me to pour into you for a minute because what you have brought to my life has been this authentic rawness and you have shown me how to love Jesus well. Hmm. I had forgotten that. Hmm. I had forgotten how to love him well. And your powerful way of speaking and powerful witness. And for, for anybody that has spent any time with you, and, and, if, um, and if they haven't, they need to come and hear you speak. <laughs> because not only do you give it all on the, on, on the stage when you're, when you're speaking to the women, because you pour it out, but then you sit at the feet of others. I have mm. literally seen you sit at the feet of other women mm. and say, I need to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And that's that humility is so beautiful. It is gorgeous. And it's one of the things that I've always been drawn to with you. Mm-hmm. Um, dare I say attracted, mm-hmm. but I think that's the mm-hmm. right word because mm-hmm. it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and so palpable. And you have a heart that's so squishy and so <laughs> just so squishy. Like that's the yeah. word I use mm-hmm. for that for you. And um, you and do. It, you text me and you say, How's my squishy hearted friend? How's your squishy hearted friend? How you doing? How you doing? And and it's a little I think, wild out there. Yeah, it is. And I know how tender your heart is for other people. And so I love that you give from your overflow so abundantly. And your yes to God has has created so much goodness for so many sisters out there and brothers so much so your yes has been so beautiful Mm. and and I thank you for that yes I that yes is part of the reason why I'm here Mm. so I love you to pieces I love you thank you friend so good I sat at your feet I sat at your feet these 45 minutes (laughs) love you so much thank you love you dear God do you love us are we worth it Do you care about our lives? God, you have answered these questions with such passion. 
And if the cross of Christ isn't enough to prove your love for us, then a fixed situation or a repaired relationship or any desire of our heart, it won't be either. Help us, God, to return to the cross again and again and again to remember our miracle, the greatest gift that we could ever be given. The ways that we've been hurt, God, have wounded us. And our wounds can send us spinning, especially when we have to wait. Especially if we're called to suffer, especially if it seems that you're not here. So help us, God, to remember that you are good and that you are for us. And in that remembering that you are good, God, help us to feel what we feel in healthy ways because we are invited to hurt and lament. You feel it too. We have relentless hope in you, God. You meet us in our weaknesses. You might not always alleviate our struggles right away, but you can always use darkness to reveal the brilliance of your goodness. It's in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. And for this episode, a special thank you to Laura Rowland. Find her on Instagram at Laura K. Rowland and Encounter Grace One. Thank you to Pamela Anthony Cutright and Chen Redfield for music. Sinner Saint Sister now has a Patreon page. Please consider supporting Sinner Saint Sister by searching for Allison Sullivan on Patreon.com. Many episodes are now only available for patrons. Send us your questions at SinnerSaintSister at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. Don't forget to review, like, and subscribe, and tune in next week.